1: 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tony Levitt, coming to you with another jam-packed episode for you today. We've got two guests and a whole bunch of topics to touch on. We've got Cade Cunningham deciding to stay at Oklahoma State, the SEC Summer Check-In, and of course, 24-7 Sports. Updated the top 150 for the class of 2021. A lot to get into. First up is going to be Brian Snow, 24-7 sports recruiting analyst and college basketball expert. He's going to hop on to touch on all three topics, but mainly SEC summer check-in. And then after the break, we're going to have college basketball's assist king, Jerry Meyer, to come on and do an even deeper dive on the 2021 recruiting rankings update. But before we get to any of that, I want to thank you. We've seen a ton of new listeners in the past few weeks, and the numbers just keep rising. It's awesome to see that. I appreciate having you guys here with us, whether you're coming from Apple, Spotify, 247sports.com, or from somewhere else. If you happen to be someone who's coming to the podcast from a website as opposed to a podcast app or a podcast desktop app, I encourage you to subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you prefer so that you get the podcast episode as soon as it goes live. If you're waiting for the website, it takes time. We've got a lot of stuff to do at 247sports.com and there's no guarantee we're going to put an article right away. So if you want to get these episodes right away, Do us a favor and subscribe wherever you prefer getting your podcasts. And also, if you want to give us uh, feedback as to what you want to hear from, I know last week we gave a shout-out to Banana Slug Pab for his Virginia content that he asked for. Hit us up in the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those make a huge difference for us in terms of visibility. That really matters in terms of discoverability and more people coming to the show. We want more of you. We want to be able to do more for you. So if you want to give us a five-star review, that would be awesome. So, without further ado, let's hit it now with Brian Snow to talk about the SEC summer check-in. All right, we're bringing in Brian Snow, national recruiting analyst and college basketball expert for Twenty Four Seven Sports. Brian, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? You know, I- I'm excited to have a, a rankings update and. I feel like we're, we're getting about one basketball news item a week. Uh, and this week with the rankings update and the news uh, out of Oklahoma State that Cade Cunningham is going to stay, we got two. And so I feel like I'm doubly blessed.
0: Yeah, hey, You know, we, we try to bring as much as possible to the table.
1: That's right. So before before we get into it, today we're going to be uh, doing a bit of a summer check-in with the SEC. But we've got a lot going on today. We're recording on Wednesday. This is going to come out on Thursday. And so there's a ranking release on 247sports.com. If you haven't checked it out already, you should definitely get there. We're going to get a more in-depth conversation about that after the break. But... What's your take on this Cade Cunningham news? He's staying in Oklahoma State and barring a huge surprise out of the NCAA. He's not even going to have a chance to make to the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, i will be honest. It doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Cade committed to Oklahoma State because his brother's the coach or the assistant coach at Oklahoma State. None of that changed being in the NCAA tournament. Now, that doesn't mean Cade doesn't care about winning. That doesn't mean Cade doesn't care about the NCAA tournament but the fundamental reason why he picked Oklahoma state did not change at all. If it was about a chance to win the national title, he would have gone to Kentucky. That's just the reality. And as much as the NCAA tournament can help people's draft stock, Mark was the number one pick. He didn't play in the NCAA tournament. Ben Simmons was the number one pick. He didn't play in the NCAA tournament for Cade. He could still be the number one pick and not play in the NCAA tournament. he's got, you know, depending on how the season goes, obviously we hope we have one, you know, he's got thirty-one games before the conference tournament to prove that he's the number one pick so you know it changed much in that regard uh so it didn't shock me at all it actually surprised me that people thought he was going to get out of his letter i i was like why that had nothing to do with why he chose oklahoma state and ultimately he stayed with oklahoma state as you know i expected and most of us at 24 7 sports expected.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, he was and still probably is going to be a preseason All-American. You expect him to put up big numbers at Oklahoma State. And these are guys he's familiar with. So, uh, like you said, uh, not not I, I was surprised, honestly. Uh, but maybe that just uh, speaks to how little of an insider I am. But nonetheless, very interesting news out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, let's move over to the 2020 run rankings real quick before we hit the SEC. Like I said before, everyone should check those out on 247sports.com. And I wanted to ask you, you highlighted in in your, in your the roundtable one guy that you wanted to uh, uh, bring everyone's attention to, Jalen Worley. He's the 22nd in uh, the 24-7 sports ranking, similar ranking in the composite. What is it about him that got your attention and you wanted to highlight him?
0: Yeah, you know, he was a kid I saw as a sophomore. And I thought, you know what, he might be a mid-major, maybe a little bit better than that. And then this past season as his junior year, it was like he was a different player. He was bigger, he was athletic, and everything else shined through. His skills were better. And then you look at a kid who plays point guard like he does, even though he could be a combo guard at times, but he plays point guard. You look at him and you're, you're saying, like, wow, this dude is really good. He He's a leader. He's got a great work ethic. He's got a great feel for the game, makes everybody around. better. And then on top of it all, he's good himself. Like, he can get a bucket himself. He can make shots. Well, he's not going to wow you with athleticism. He has enough athleticism that it really doesn't matter. So when you look at it, it's like this kid does everything and then brings everything you want off the off the court at the most important position. So, you know, it's a no brainer that he's one of the best players in the class.
1: And so, with guys like Worley, who really impressed you in the past season, that junior tape or the tape from the 2019 season or 2019 2020 season is really what you were working with uh, as you made this rankings update. And you wrote a really interesting article about how you and the other recruiting analysts at 24 7 Sports were, went about making this update, even though there weren't games going on. You know, Could you take listeners kind of inside that, that process, what it is you guys wanted to do with this ranking? since there's no new tape, no new games? Yeah, I mean,
0: the first thing is, I hope I never have to do this ever because it is not fun. I mean, sitting down and watching, you know, six to eight high school games on each kid, it, it, it stinks. It's awful. Because uh, part of it is you, you're not seeing, you're not seeing the kids go against the best other kids. You know, you're, you're watching bad film that a 16-year-old film will have attention. You know, there, there's a lot of things that aren't great about it, but it's what you have. So, you have to use it. And since we can't be everywhere to see every game live, what's the best way to see new kids? It is watching the high school film, their game film. And we made a conscious effort to really do that and not watch highlights. You know, everyone looks like an all highlights. You know, there's a joke by, you know, some some guys like, if a kid shoots enough, I can make a great highlight film. Because <laughs> if he shoots eight for 20, you better you edit out those 12 misses, those eight makes look great. So we're not watching highlight tapes. We're watching full games to get a full feel, to, to get the best possible amount of information given the circumstances. And, and that's what we did. And to go along with it, we didn't update our rankings at the very end of the season. We did it a little bit before the end. So guys like myself, Josh Gershon, Evan Daniels, Jerry Meyer, we, we saw some other games in person between the last rankings update and the end of the year. So we have a bit of uh, in-person evals that we had to catch up on, but, you know, there were so many new names that came onto the radar and usually we'd see them in person 20 times in the spring. But without that benefit this year due to the pandemic, you know, we we had to go back to the high school film and, and that's what we did. And it's a time consuming process. It's a it's not a fun process the way you have to do it. And it's the way we
1: did do it. So just out of curiosity, when, when you're watching these high school games, are you like hitting the Chromecast and putting them on the TV? Or are you watching these straight on the laptop?
0: Straight on the laptop. <laughs> First of all, you gotta understand, like, let's say there's 247 employees at 247 sports. When it comes to tech savviness, I am 47. <laughs> so even even getting me to do that is it, it, it's going to be a problem putting it on a TV like, oh, how do I do this? It's not going to go well. So I have to do it as simple as possible, which means on the laptop.
1: Amazing. Well, well, let's let's turn our attention to something that you can watch on the TV with relative ease, and that's SEC basketball. SEC coming off a bit of a down year, ranked sixth uh, conference according to Ken Palm, and. They're very strong recruiting classes across the SEC, but and we started our ACC preview last week with Kevin Flaherty with recruiting, and so I wanted to kind of turn away from there to start, actually, the SEC. And I've got five big questions at the top, and, and I want you to pick from these five. Which do you think is, is most interesting and compelling to you? So first, we've got Olivier Sars eligibility transferred from Wake Forest to Kentucky after uh, Wake Forest fired its coach. Second, we've got Rick Barnes coaching a, a whole bunch of talent, five stars. And, and traditionally, Rick Barnes' best teams kind of didn't have five-star talent with you, with the exception of Kevin Durant's years. Uh, third, who's coming back for LSU? They got four guys in the draft. And if they come back, that's a really interesting team. But if they all leave, it, Will Wade might be uh, up a creek. Fourth, Arkansas, is Isaiah Joe going to come back? And regardless of whether or not he comes back, they got five transfers coming in and four serious freshmen. Are they going to be able to coalesce as a team and step up into that top third of the SEC? And finally, for Florida, number eight class in the country in 2019, and... You know, they kind of weren't able to put it together last season. Are they going to be able to, now that they're coming back for their second year, deliver maybe a year delayed? So those are my five questions for you. What piques your interest?
0: For me, it's Arkansas. Like, and for a whole variety of reasons. Like, first of all, like Kentucky's only got like two dudes returning, but that's normal. Yeah. Like Arkansas has like 10 new guys. Like you said, the transfer between transfers and freshmen and the whole oh, the whole thing, like 10 new dudes in Arkansas? That, that's unheard of. Um, and on top of that, Eric Musselman, he's a very interesting coach in that he always coaches older guys. And usually he lets his older guys just kind of rock out on offense. He says, like, I'm going to give you the ball and you work. Well, that's hard to do with freshmen, and he's going to be relying on freshmen, especially in the backcourt. So how Arkansas looks is going to be very interesting to watch because, you know, First of all, I don't know what their offseason plan is. I know every school has a different one. I would be lying if I said I could remember all of them. Like, How much time are they going to have to work together right now? How much time are they going to have to work together in the preseason? And then when you have that many new dudes, I mean, it is just wild to me what is going on in Arkansas, and I can't wait to see how it turns out.
1: Yeah, one thing that Kevin pointed out in his article about the SEC is that when Muss had his best teams at Nevada, he was working with like seven transfers, seven new faces those two years. And so, you know, maybe th- maybe this is something he's familiar with. Uh, and I think, you know, Jerry is all over Moses Moody and-, and he's saying, you know, this is a bucket getter. So maybe he singularly could fit into that, you know, just letting it rock on offense. But the rest of them, I don't know. And so like you, you know, Arkansas has now been, since uh, the class of 2020 rankings was finalized, they've been a, a regular topic of conversation on this podcast because I think just like you, everyone's everyone's interesting. All right, so of the, of the remaining four questions, what's one more that you want to hit on? I think it comes down to Olivier Saar at Kentucky because if he's eligible,
0: they can compete for a national title i think if he's not they got a major hole up front um so i don't know how they plan to get olivier sar eligible to be perfectly honest with you but if they can bless them but he's a difference maker at center then you're going to see keon brooks take a big step forward i think and then all those talented freshmen coming in kentucky could be really really good but they need that veteran presence in olivier sar to get to that ceiling so you're talking one of the biggest brands in college basketball, one of the biggest coaches and a super talented roster missing that one piece. And that piece is Olivier Saar. And I will be very interested to see if he can get eligible.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of eligibility, if Olivier Saar, I don't know what's going on in his uh, application for el- immediate eligibility. But I think if he makes the case that his coach at Wake Forest had just gotten an extension, and and he, you know, was all locked in. And then out of nowhere he gets fired in, in a time in the basketball calendar when you don't usually expect coaches to get fired. Combine that with COVID and not being able to be with his coach and his new coach. And you know, maybe if if he makes that specific case, I think you know the NCAA is um maybe, you know, kind of in, in, in a tough spot when it comes to graduate or, or any transfers, I should say, uh, when when people plead, you know, COVID, because I mean, what are they going to do? You know, I think it's also funny because uh, with Davion Mintz transferring in uh, from Creighton, it's funny to me. It kind of like bookends on, on, on their roster with that point guard, a transfer at center, a transfer, and and those are two kind of um, poles where where you can build your team around uh, some serious questions. So while we're on Kentucky, let's move over to, over to recruiting. Five of the top eight classes in the class of 2020 in the SEC with Kentucky at the top. How, how do you figure this uh, new recruiting class at Kentucky is going to fall in?
0: Um, I think they're going to be really good. Uh, you, you have a lot of talented pieces coming in. You know, you you have some superstar potential. And then if they got the older guys, obviously Keon Brooks will be eligible. Uh, then you. Dante Allen who's coming off his redshirt year. He'll be a redshirt freshman, but he's at least been in there. He's he's done some work, like you said, Davion Mintz. And then if they got Olivier Saar, then you can add those freshmen in and everyone kind of falls in line a little bit. Not not too much is expected out of guys, you know, who probably aren't quite ready to be, a, but are, be are ready to play a big role and you can keep them in that way. So, I mean, I, I think the Kentucky class is going to live up to the hype. It's just they need that help around them.
1: How many, how many of these uh, recruits, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, do you especially uh, those those guys of my attention, how many of them do you think are going to be one and done?
0: It's always hard to know. Uh, I mean, I think B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark certainly both plan to be one and done. Um, I would guess, you know, basically every kid thinks he's one and done. But I mean, certainly those two are going to have a great shot to be one and done. So I, I would say, you know, two, two, three of them, you know, maybe... One of the big guys has a breakout year. Let's say Isaiah Jackson's blocking every shot imaginable. Then maybe he is as well. But B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark are probably the two pretty safe bets.
1: Yeah, so at number two in uh, the SEC recruiting, you have Tennessee. And like we said at the top, a serious, serious recruiting class. Just Kentucky and Illinois have uh, comparable backcourts incoming in the 2020 class. Uh, and with everybody expecting Eve Ponds to remove his name from the draft, there's going to be a tremendous amount of talent uh, in Knoxville coming off a, a weird year, ended up 17 and 14. You know What do you expect for Tennessee You know this year? Kentucky uh, is the name brand, but a lot of people, Gary Parrish and Kevin Flaherty, have them uh, in the top two.
0: Um, you know, there's gonna be high expectations and with good reason. Anytime you got five star guards and and uh you know you know, big guy like a Eve Pons, who's so versatile, John Folker, you, you've got players. So there's gonna be high expectations, and there should be. Rick Barnes has proven he can win as a coach, he's done it multiple spots. So, you know, that, that's a good thing. And there's reason for him to have high expectations. It it's all got to come together and you know, the personalities have to mesh. But the talent is This is going to be his most talented team at Tennessee. So will it all come together? That's going to be what's, what's most interesting. But if I'm sure if you ask Rick now, he'd
1: say, yeah, we should have high expectations. Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson at the top. Either of these guys uh, one and done, you think? Uh, you know, they both have a shot.
0: Keon, we'll see how healthy he is. I know he had a little bit of an injury. Jaden Springer, he, he's really talented. He can really score. So both of them are going to have a chance to do it, and, and we'll just have to see. But um it wouldn't shock me if one of the two it'd, it'd be pretty surprising if both just because there's only one basketball I don't know that they both could have a breakout year <laughs> like that but it wouldn't surprise me at all if if one of them did
1: okay cool so let's let's uh hop over to uh, the sleeper category I feel like this is something uh, I kind of gave short shrift to in the ACC want to make sure we're hitting the whole conference pick from uh, one of these teams Kevin listed Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss as the four options for his sleeper. You know, Auburn coming in with the number 5 recruiting class, losing a lot of talent. Alabama has a decent amount of roster continuity, though they are also losing talent to the draft. And Mississippi State and Ole Miss just kind of building, 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 you know, maybe making their way towards something. So, of these four teams, who do you think is a good sleeper?
0: I think it's Ole Miss because they got two great grad transfers coming in. So uh, Domencio Vaughn and Romello White. So anytime you add those, that level of grad transfer, and then we know Kermit Davis can coach. So
1: I would really say Ole Miss. So if Ole Miss is your sleeper, how do you feel about Florida? Because they're, I think, a bit of a conundrum. We had them top five going into last season, and they, they just imploded immediately and were confusing. Now they lose Andrew Nemhard, but they still got all the pieces from their 2019 recruiting class, which was number eight in the nation. A couple five-stars decide not to go to the NBA, I think wisely so. So what are your expectations or, or, or what are your maybe questions for Florida going into this upcoming season?
0: You know what's interesting about Florida is they might not be as talented on paper as they were last year but I think they're going to be better.
1: Well, I mean, the bar is very low.
0: Yeah. um, I think everyone knows their role now. Like last year, there was this big question, like, are we playing through Kerry Blackshear? Are we playing through our guards? You know, who's our point guard? Well, all those questions got answered. Kerry Blackshear is gone. So you know, you're not playing through him. Um, Your point guard, you know, Andrew Nemhard left. So you know who your point guard is. Then, you know, you got... Us back Keontae Johnson you know everyone now has their role everyone's pulling the rope in the same direction I think Florida even though they're not going to be as talented even though they might not look as good I think they're going to have a better year and the pieces actually fit together and everyone's going to be more locked in on who they are as opposed to last year where it was just this mismatch of of egos and new pieces and and you know, no understanding of role and and dynamic of how they wanted to play.
1: Yeah, so Keontae Johnson getting a lot of buzz. Kevin has him part of his all-SEC team. And I'm curious... With him probably going to be the go-to guy on offense this year, do you think there could be a situation where uh, Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann end up being three, four-year guys at Florida, kind of like uh, Melo Trimble, what ended up being at Maryland, uh, where maybe coming into school there was an expectation that these guys would be one and done, but without you know being the number one guy in an offense, it's kind of hard to make that case.
0: Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, and it's very logical. I don't think Scotty Lewis has any intention of coming back to Florida for a third year though. Um, I think Scotty saw what he had to do last year and fully intends to do it this year and to no longer be in Gainesville following this year. Now, could it work out that Scotty has to be a three or four year player? Yeah. It, it, you know, that's the way the world works. Sometimes we all don't get what we want. Um, Trey Mann's a little bit different. I think Trey has a larger curve learning curve at, than Scotty, like Scotty, at least like flash star potential last year. Trey wrote that. So I think the odds of Trey Mann being around three or four years are greater than that of Scotty Lewis.
1: Okay. So Kevin, I feel like uh, gave a bit short shrift to a few schools, Texas A&M, Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt got no mentions in his articles. Do you think any of these teams uh, could be potential dark horses to kind of sneak into the NCAA tournament?
0: Whew. Off the jump, I would say no. Maybe somehow Frank Martin cobbles together or something, and you know, the team just plays harder than everybody else for like a month and a half. They win a few games that they shouldn't win. And, you know, as the rules clearly dictate, you have to take 68 to make it. <laughs> so, you know, they could they could sneak their way in. I don't see the other schools getting in. You know, AM's had a talent upgrade, but they're still really young. Um, so I would guess maybe South Carolina, if you put a gun to my head, but I don't think those schools are going to the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, Frank Martin, South Carolina's head coach, has been on a, a couple of 24-7 sports shows this offseason, and he seems more confident than the rest of us. So maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe he knows something about chemistry or or someone's developed a new skill that, that we don't know about, um, but he, cer- he certainly uh, has been confident. And, and so transitioning now, you know, among those other teams, the SEC might be the deepest in terms of head coaching talent and yet i wonder you know is there anybody you think could who could potentially be on the hot seat maybe by the end of this upcoming season uh after a couple um disappointing seasons i have one in mind but given his contract situation maybe not i'm curious what you have to say
0: that's interesting you know one that jumps to mind honestly honestly ben howland um for all the good recruiting, there hasn't been much in the way of results at Mississippi State. So I just wonder how, how long they're going to stick with Ben down there. Um, he's been there, I think, what, five or six years by now already? I think it's six. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one, maybe two NCAA tournaments, maybe one and two NCAA tournament wins. That's not a whole ton of success. So I, if, if they have a bad, I could see Ben Howen catching some heat.
1: I'm curious what's going to happen down in Georgia. I know Tom Crean's only been there for two years, and I'm sure he has a pretty serious buyout. But you just have to wonder, like, are they really going to get a better uh, player than Anthony Edwards ever? No. Are they ever going to uh, be in a situation where like the roster kind of adds up to more than it was last year? I don't know. And and so, you know, three years into a six year contract for Tom Crean, that's pretty early to, to cut ties. But I think maybe by the end of next season, we might be wondering if his fourth season is his last down in Georgia.
0: I could see that. Uh, I know about Tom is uh, Trace, Trace Armstrong. He's a really good agent. So my guess is financially it's going to be really difficult to
1: get rid of. Him. So big picture now, like I said at the top. SEC was sixth in Ken Palm uh, conference rating last year. I think really the only conference they could potentially jump ahead of this year would be Pac-12. Do you see them hopping back into that top five or, or staying behind it, at number six?
0: I mean, I guess it's the, the odds would say jump into the top five is more likely than not, but it, it's hard to predict. Exactly. Cause one thing with the sec is it, there's so much roster turnover and it's so young. People just look at like, okay, they've got great recruits every year, but they lose them all and then they transfer and then they go pro and you just have this constant roster churn in the league. And that's not how you win in college back when with continuity and age and getting good players old. And that's not what the sec has been doing here recently. So What's the SEC going to look like? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you have multiple schools that are, like, replacing, like, nine guys. Yeah, And, and that doesn't even count LSU. We have no idea what's happening there. Be are replacing another six or seven. It, it, it's just insanity. Um, so I have a hard time thinking they're going to make a huge jump. But I, I do think, you know, at the end of the day, they probably jump the Pac-12.
1: You know, it's, it's funny that you said that, like, all, all this roster turnover, like, even assuming LSU gets all those guys back, the best teams... Uh Who who recruit the way the SEC is recruiting right now usually follow Kentucky's model and that's build towards something and you know maybe lose a few games early in the year but by late January February they're rounding into form well that kind of that kind of strategy while it might be good in terms of building towards postseason play is not exactly great in terms of uh, building towards an overall uh, ranking of of your conference the ability to be consistent throughout the season is something that these conference ratings value so. maybe the way that the SEC is building it just doesn't uh bode well in this particular evaluation format. Something I have been thinking about. So my final question for you, and I know this is absurd because it is uh June 24th. How many teams do you think are gonna get into the tournament from the SEC?
0: Let's say five. Five seems like a good number. Uh it seems low. We'll go with five. Maybe four.
2: Wow, that's really low. Hey,
0: Tennessee, Tennessee, Florida, um, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky. Uh, who else? You know, maybe you throw Ole Miss in there. I don't know. I maybe five might be aggressive. Uh let's go four. Let's say four now that I'm thinking wow. about it closer.
1: I feel aggressive before before we before we went. I wrote I wrote down my list and I got seven. And I feel like all, all of a sudden that's very aggressive. No Arkansas for you.
0: They got they're replacing so many guys. I don't know. It's so hard for me to believe in that.
1: I I, I feel like I believe in must. And one thing I like about um, their recruiting class is having Moses Moody at the top. Guards win in March. Guys who can get buckets are guys who don't necessarily need as much time to kind of work their way into a system because at the end of the day, Someone with Moses Moody's talent is going to be able to get buckets at the SEC level right away, and so even if they're, they haven't really built their offense quite yet, I just feel—I don't know—I'm—I'm I'm high on Arkansas. I, that might be because uh, I did a podcast with our one of our Arkansas guys a few weeks ago, but I don't know. I—I I like what they're building there.
0: I, I'm just in the four-five range. I just seven's a lot.
1: That's a lot. Seven is a lot. I, I also wonder though if they're going to be. Um, more Power Five, Power Six teams in uh, in the wild card, wild card at large uh, section because. It, it, it was hard to kind of get a sense for uh, the mid majors during COVID. I, I, I have this hunch, and it's like not really fully fleshed out that the um, mid major level is going to kind of be dinged, un- like maybe not fairly, but it's going to be dinged nonetheless in the at large kind of situation for this upcoming NCAA tournament. Yeah,
0: I, I can see that.
1: I mean, it's possible. It's going to be a bizarre and very confusing NCAA season, to say the least. Brian, you got any parting shots before we head out to the break?
0: No, no. Just said what I can say.
1: Ah, there we go. I appreciate you coming on. Brian Snow is a recruiting analyst and basketball expert, college basketball expert for 247sports.com. You can read his most recent article about how they were able to update the rankings without live basketball brian snow thanks so much for coming on the show thank you all right we're gonna hit the break and on the back half we'll dive deeper into the class of 2021 updated rankings stay tuned from the world of sonic the hedgehog a new hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus yes Back here now with the twenty four seven sports college basketball show. We've got college basketball's assist king Jerry Meyer on the other line, and Jerry, huge news! Huge news for you, Cade Cunningham officially recommitted, reestablished himself for Oklahoma State. Great for the college basketball community. You have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, family strong, and uh, kind of a weird situation. Um, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell you, you know, like most of these guys, they're. Th- you know, they're thinking one year they're done, and that's what Cade's thinking. And so he's sticking. But I am excited to watch him play. I think college basketball fans, that's hopefully we can see him play. But this is a tremendous player, um, kind of like a point guard version of Brandon Roy uh, at his best, is what Cade Cunningham reminds me of. But kind of a futuristic, modern six-six-six-seven point guard with size and explosion and um, he's just a tremendous player
1: amazing yeah a lot of people are saying already uh, preseason uh, all-american it'll be good for college basketball to have Kate Cunningham in Stillwater no doubt So this week, uh, 24-7 recruiting czars, that's uh, you and your crew, updated the 2021 recruiting rankings. Let's hop into it. Let's start right at the top. Uh, No change in the top five. We got Jonathan Kaminga at one, Chet Holmgren, two, Patrick Baldwin Jr. at three, Paolo Manchero at four, and Jabari Smith at five. Everyone's expecting Kaminga to either go uh, reclassify to 2020 or just go pro, but I'm curious. Was there still an aggressive conversation for you guys about this top five, even if at the end of the day you didn't make any changes in the order?
2: Nothing at the top. Kaminga is number one, Uh, you know, if he's 2021, uh, without a doubt. But I agree with you. I mean, I'm expecting him to probably, you know, do the professional route as of 2020. Um, There's a little discussion on. Holmgren versus Patrick Baldwin. And um, I, think, I think that's a valid discussion. The guy that kind of has my eye is uh, Banchero, at number four. Uh, the thing about him, you know, like the knock on him, like if you wanted to break it down, for those taunts, is uh, how much upside is there for him? Like, is he kind of topped out already? Because he has a super mature game. Well, above it beyond his years, smart player, physical bodies developed. Um, but I kind of really like him. (laughs) And if I I would just say that, I'll just throw this out there if uh, you know, if let's assume Kaminga moves on out of this class, I would not be shocked if Banchero ended up at the top of the rankings. I'm not predicting that, saying he will, but I would not be shocked. I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of this game.
1: Well, can you can you compare him to Chet Holmgren, who's now sitting at two? And presumably, if Kaminga yeah. moves out of the class, Holmgren would be number one. But obviously, when you talk about Benchero as this uh, filled out, finished product, you look at the pictures of him, and this dude is yoked. That's like the exact opposite of Chet Holmgren. <laughs> Let me read exactly
2: that. <laughs> I'm gonna read from that would be, that would be that's funny because that would be the comparison. It's like basically opposite. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like opposite ends of the spectrum. In a lot of
2: ways. At least body wise, yes, yes, very, very different. But yeah, hit me. So, like,
1: I I guess, like, when when you're thinking about these two guys, how how do you balance the fact that, like. Holmgren's current body shape and strength and and his base would just not allow him to compete at, at, against you know bigger bodies and yet Banchero he's got that that physical frame already ready for him but you know you question the skills that Holmgren has maybe Banchero can't reach there.
2: Yeah, um, key key philosophical um, argument in scouting, trying to look at okay you know, upside versus a finished product type guy. And, um, man, I don't know what the right answer is. I, as I've gotten older and I've been in this business, I've leaned more towards, give me the guy who's good right now. You know, that kind of thinking. Um, Holmgren is so unique. Very interesting player. Uh, you know, when I coach at Vanderbilt coach against, uh, price, I mean, Tayshawn Prince at, uh, Kentucky, he's got a little of that to him, you know, just like really skilled so long. Um, and Tayshawn was a great player and I think Chad's going to be a great player. It's just a tough, I I don't know. I'm I'm a little leery of his body type because I don't know where it goes from there because it's kind of a 2 edged sword where does his body go and then Banchero, um he's very skilled uh but you kind of wonder like where does the skill go from there
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, it's it's a tough question like so i don't i really don't have an answer other than say it's a great question um but i am kind of liking the guys who got the weight on them these days i i think you need density and mass yeah. um, in today's in today's game I lean that direction.
1: I think it's very uh, humble of you to, to like, I, I don't think the people who are listening to this, you know, necessarily are like, uh, you know, upset that there isn't uh, a direct answer. I think what they're here for is to hear your take, and your take has nuance, and I think that's, uh, that's what you bring to the table, Jerry, that real understanding of detail and, and the fact that everything's not 100% black and white and clear. Let's let's look you guys did a really cool article, each of the people on the recruiting council, you each picked out a couple of guys who you were high on. And so I wanted to ask you about Trevor Keels is number seventeen in our rankings. Many Obaseki, number twenty six in our rankings. You know, why did you pick these two guys out? What what stands out about your, their games?
2: You know, um kind of just uh, an intuition, a feel, an emotion. Like they I sense a pop to their game, and uh, you know, with Kills, When I when I watch him play, I just get this sense he's going to get it done. You know, I just have this feel like because he has, he has the size and the body to be a wing scorer, playmaker. You know, he, he's got the components to do it, and then I think he has the mentality to get it done, just love his competitiveness. Um, you know, it's a trust thing. Like, you know, that's a dude I'd want on my team. Uh, so that's big for me. Uh, for a man, he reminds me of Patrick Beverly. He just got this edge to him and a really attacking kind of angry style of play. And I appreciate that. And I, th- I think he's going to get your buckets. So I think he's like a bucket getter. Like a you know, kind of a little more offensive offensive oriented, uh, Patrick Beverley type.
1: Well, you gotta like that if you're a Texas A and M fan. Manny Obaseki. Oh, they they should be
2: thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> they should be thrilled. Yeah.
1: 62 combo guard is uh, committed to the Aggies. Trevor Keels is being recruited by Virginia, Duke, Michigan, Ohio State and Villanova. He's a 6 shooting guard. And the way the way you talked about Trevor Keels, you know, from a fan perspective, that kind of assurance just uh you're I re- I feel relaxed the way you were describing his game. Like if that guy gets the ball, it's crunch time, what you're describing is something that as a fan keeps me Relax, sitting on the couch, not getting get well, my blood boil. That's cool.
2: Yeah, that's a, it's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. He goes from a great high school program. Uh, you know, he's been coached. I, th- I, I just think he has a very mature feel for the game and has the tools and the competitive greatness to get it done.
1: I love that. So last question, Jerry. We got one new five star in this rankings update. That's Kendall Brown. He's number 14, both for 24-7 sports and in the composite. A 6'8 small forward with offers from Marquette, Arkansas, Kansas, Minnesota, and Ohio State. And the lone crystal ball pick is in for Kansas with a low confidence measure. So it's fair to assume that his recruitment is still very open. What is it about Kendall Brown, Jerry, that uh, made you guys want to push him up to the five stars?
2: Um, very athletic, uh, athletic, versatile, versatile, you know, I, like I compared him to Matt Barnes, uh, on his profile, my comparison, uh, he gets off the floor. He has light feet, gets off the floor quickly, um, and kind of has a feel for the game, has that wiggle to him, kind of like a Ginobili type, getting through tight spaces and, um, you know kind of that modern day wing slay you know like what what would we call it versatile multi position guard a bunch of positions type player
1: mm. i know his recruitment's open but do you have any uh a- any uh insight into where he's leaning or where you think might be a good fit for him
2: uh you know i think he's going to fit anywhere yeah i don't i don't have any special knowledge on that and what's just kind of obvious out there
1: let me let me take you out with this, Jerry. Uh, in the first half of the episode, we had Brian Snow on to talk about a, a kind of Ooh. summer summer snapshot of the SEC. And look, I know you love Moses Moody and what's going on down there in Arkansas. Is there one team that you're kind of keeping an eye on in the SEC this year? Whether it's a team that brought in a lot in recruitment or or a team that you think if they don't get it done right now, you know their coach could be in trouble. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, I live uh, right by the campus of
2: Vanderbilt, and uh, there's some disgruntlement around here uh, with Stackhouse. Like it, it looked really promising, and the field is not so great. I, I think I think eyes are on him to see how how that goes with Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's like going to get fired or whatever, but. I find that of interest. I, I do think Musselman is a guy to be reckoned with. I think he is a very astute X and O coach. Saw what he did at Nevada. Um, can recruit is recruiting well. I am high on Moses Moody. And um, so yeah, I'll go with Arkansas as a team to look at, and um, Stackhouse, a guy that at least around here. <laughs> we're wondering what
1: the deal is all right well there you go uh at least outside of baseball vanderbilt perhaps the biggest discrepancy in quality of jersey and quality of play on the field or on the court tremendous jerseys for vanderbilt jerry thanks so much hold on you like their jerseys yeah i think it's really classy the basketball you talk basketball or football both I, i think i think that color color scheme and typeface is really classy oh yeah yeah i like it
2: yeah i hear you there i hear you there I, I didn't like I didn't like the football helmets. I didn't like that that they had some chain or anchor on the football helmets. Just oh. that really, I thought I thought they were kind of like bowling balls. <laughs> but but I like I like your turf helmets. Yeah, man.
1: when they do, they're like,
2: what, what is that? Your insignia, your that's flag, big, or whatever.
1: Big big yeah, flag, flag, yeah, flag. that's man.
2: strong. Yeah, I like it. It's strong crab cakes and football that's what we
1: do (laughs) I know you're a busy guy Jerry I really appreciate you taking the time to call in no problem see you Tony alright thanks again to Jerry and Brian for coming on the show really enjoyed both those conversations and I hope you did too remember if you enjoy what you're hearing and want to help us out the five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts makes a huge difference for us and we really appreciate the help that's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 sports college basketball show until next week, I'm your host, Tani Levitt, and we'll see you then with another conference preview and whatever news comes our way.